the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Tuesday, the eighth morning of the first month in the year of our Lord 2019. I loved our last caller, Ron's idea. Send Nancy and Chuck along with the president on Air Force One. Give them a first-class invitation. Come on down, and let's meet some Border Patrol agents. I don't know who they are. We won't have any pre-screened agents. I won't know their politics. I don't know where their stand on border walls is. Let's just go talk to random Border Patrol agents down there at various sectors along that southern border and see whether or not they think this is a crisis, see whether or not they think it's an emergency, see whether or not they think a border wall, a border barrier, would help them to keep control of the border and stop the illegal flow of people, drugs, gang members, and more into the United States. Let's go. Let's just go talk to them, because I have a pretty good idea that 99% of them are going to be like Brandon Judd, the president of the National Border Patrol Council. Supposed to be hearing Brandon Judd right now. I don't know why we're not. Apologies for that. I worked in Naco, Arizona for 10 years. We didn't have physical barriers in Naco, and illegal immigration and drug smuggling was absolutely out of control. We built those walls, those physical barriers, and illegal immigration dropped exponentially. And that is exactly what the president is calling for now. Joining us to discuss, as uh, always on Tuesday, after a strong night, by the way, of leaving Tucker Carlson's mouth hanging agape, once again, it is Peter Kirsten now on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, Cleveland attorney, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, noted and celebrated author and the host of the Kirsten Now Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Five weeks to pitchers and catchers. It kind of feels like that today, although I understand the weather's supposed to turn. And we're going to get 79 days until opening day. So um, I'm a little concerned, though, because I haven't seen a whole lot of movement out of the Indians. We need some offensive punch. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. We do indeed. And, uh, uh, Pete, uh, let's, <laughs> uh, you, uh, you mentioned last night when I chatted you up, uh, very, very briefly that, um, um, you, you were a little bit taken aback by what Clemson was doing to Alabama. Did you watch that entire debacle? I watched almost all of it. I missed some of it because I was on Tucker's show, but I, I listened to as much as I could when I was driving back home from the studio and then watched the remainder of it, and, uh, boy, that was something. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. Of course, many times. In that, the quarterback in there, his name was Sunshine. Yeah. Reminds me of the Clemson quarterback. I'll tell you, it's really, you know, we, you, you and I, Bob, talked about the fact that Ohio State thrashed Michigan, and that was really impressive. Don't want to take anything away from the Buckeyes, of course, but that was a different order of magnitude than what Clemson did to Alabama. Yeah, just simply because of the scale. And, and I'm just going to ask you one last question about this before we get to the more important news of the day. Did you hear Dabo Swinney, the head coach of Clemson after the game, giving glory to God and talking about how uh, how you know how important that is to him and to his players and to their football team in a, in a in a time in an era in a culture in which um, you know football coaches are oftentimes fired. High school football coaches have been fired for daring to kneel on the field um, because it encourages their players to do it as well. Uh, we're, we're not supposed to talk about our faith in public settings like that. I just thought that was phenomenal to see the national championship coach giving glory to God after the game and not necessarily to uh, his his true freshman quarterback and wide receiver combination. Yeah, and especially in in that platform, as you indicated, when you win the national championship, first of all, who's going to challenge you? Um, You know, that's one of the things. But nonetheless, uh, it was a great night for Clemson. It was a great night for football fans. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, All due respect to Alabama, they're an extraordinarily good football team, and Nick Saban's a heck of a coach, no doubt about that. I happen to think Urban Myers is the most talented college coach out there. Of course, he's retired. But Dabo Sweeney is now in that conversation. Two national championships he's played for three times in what, the last four or five years? Or, I mean, it's truly something. Yeah, he's won two of the last three. He, yeah, he's right. won two of the three national titles, last three national titles, which is pretty doggone amazing. No question about that. Okay, Pete, let, that was a great night last night for him and for the uh, Clemson Tiger uh, faithful. I'm so hoping for a good night tonight. The president, we are finally getting what you and I have been talking about and a number of other people. We're getting our Oval Office address. We'll talk about the Democrats' ridiculous response to that in a moment. But um, my 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 prayers have been answered. He's going to take this right to the people, which is what he should have done a long time ago. My question for you, Peter, is do you think he's going to make the most of this opportunity? And the way that he does that, in my mind, is going forth with only a 100% prepared and proofed um, script that he is going to follow on prompter. Uh, that's going to be complete with visual aids, PowerPoint if need be, going through all of the different areas of the southern border problems, the amount of drugs that come through, the amount of drug dealers that have been caught, the amount uh, of uh, 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 money that we spend on illegal immigration in this country, over $130 billion per year, uh, all, the human, human, humane uh, uh, crisis, all of the different aspects of this. I want him to stay on point and on message. I want every aide that works with him in the West Wing to help him prepare this. I don't want him to go extemporaneous. I don't want him to go off the cuff. I don't want him to go off script. When he does that, he hurts himself and he hurts the cause. This is the golden opportunity. He's got to take advantage of it, Pete. He's not going to go off script. He's going to be on teleprompter. Whether or not he's going to have a PowerPoint or visual aids, that I don't know, although you and I have discussed it and I think would be extraordinarily helpful. And he's a showman, so I think he understands that. I do think his aides, who are very well-versed on this, are going to be preparing something that is chock-full of information. 
But I've heard various uh, reports about what this is going to entail, and one report I heard was only going to last for a little little bit under 10 minutes. If that report is true, I think that's a mistake. I understand that these kinds of uh, Oval Office addresses generally don't last that long, but I think this is one of those things where there's so much misinformation out there. In fact, speaking of misinformation, I walked past CNN, and of course the cry on across the bottom says that the president faces credibility uh, concerns related to tonight's primetime address. Credibility concerns? The credibility concerns lie at the feet of the CNNs of the world and the Democrats who've completely distorted what's going on at the border and lie and mangle and mislead all the stats and all the implications related to illegal immigration. The president has actually been right on point. I think he's going to be on message. I do wish that he would have some type of visual aid because I do think that's powerful. He understands Stands. This is a signature issue, and that's why he's going to have a primetime address on this. And I don't know if he's going to declare a national emergency. There are various points of view with respect to this. And something of this nature has never been tested before in terms of whether or not it constitutes a national emergency. But the president's got pretty broad authority. I heard, I think it was J- uh, Judge Napolitano opine that the president doesn't have the authority to do this. And I've Frankly, all due respect to him, I think he's completely washed up on this. I I disagree. I'm not saying that uh, it's unequivocally the case that the president has the authority to declare a national emergency in this situation. We don't have a whole lot of case law by which to go. But the president under the National Emergencies uh, Act has fairly broad discretion. um, and, And the definition of a national emergency is pretty broad. Uh, the definition of national emergency is war, invasion, um, in general insurrection, disorder, disorder, okay, uh, natural disaster, and that's where most of the national emergency declarations come from. And then there's a catch-all phrase, as I recall in there, as you have in most such statutes, that say, or other public emergency. And when you see that kind of catch-all phrase in a statute, that means that the legislature, Congress, has granted to the president a great deal of discretion. Now, that's going to be somehow, you know, circumspect or, or, or circumscribed, I'm sorry, by the fact that this is going to be a declaration where he's going to try to utilize, pur- purportedly, if he's going to do this, the military in which to construct a uh, a wall. So you've got to look at that. But there, it really, this really has not been tested before. So I suspect there's going to be litigation. You're going to get somebody out there who's going to try to impose an injunction that will be immediately uh, taken up the ladder all the way to the Supreme Court, because if it's an emergency, we have to move on this very quickly. And my sense is that uh, Supreme Court grants the president discretion uh, to declare an emergency. Otherwise, I mean, my goodness, the president wouldn't have any authority whatsoever. The Congress could always second-guess him. If it's an emergency, we can't have protracted litigation about this. That's the essential nature of an emergency. Pete, uh, I heard the same thing you did from Judge Napolitano. I, I don't know that I heard it the same way, and and I'm probably I probably heard it wrong uh, rather than you because you two are are both legal scholars. But uh, I'm going to play part of it again because I had it as well. Um, 
I don't think he's saying the president can't declare this emergency. I think he's saying that the president would be limited in what he can do about it in terms of funding, redirecting funding, and so on and so forth. So let's hear this together and then see if we can clarify that a little bit, because it may indeed be what the president is laying a case for with this speech tonight. So let me see if we can uh, make this work. The, the emergency declaration, and he has to make the case for it tonight, otherwise the courts will second-guess him. The emergency declaration allows him to mobilize assets but it doesn't allow him to take or occupy property and it doesn't allow him to spend money that Congress hasn't authorized. Think about it. If the president, frustrated by Congress, could declare a national emergency and go around Congress, we would have seen this before. Barack Obama would have declared a national emergency in health care and started spending money on insurance policies to keep people healthy. And obviously he didn't because he couldn't. It sounds as if uh, what the uh, what the White House is going to do. The follow-up here from Ducey is uh, is important. Well, the, what judge says the judge says after it is important. Keep listening, Pete. Is they're looking at because they're going to say it's a national emergency. Uh, they're looking at some money that the Pentagon already has been approved and granted by Congress, and they're going to reprogram some of the money that has not been designated. And apparently, according to the Washington Post, uh, 10 U.S. Code 2808, the president uh, could do that. And apparently, they got 10 billion dollars in there that he could use, and 13 billion dollars that has rolled over through the years. Well, it depends on what that money was originally marked for. Question, can he take money from column A and put it in column B when column A was authorized by Congress and column B wasn't? Uh, Answer, no. There has to be a connection between the two. Judge, I I was reading that apparently in the past... He he goes on, Pete, to say that um, uh, if there is an emergency declared by the president here, it has to, in order to do anything about it, it has to be something that cannot be dealt with or uh, cannot be an issue that cannot be solved by existing um, um, infrastructure, governmental infrastructure, whether that be funding that's already appropriated for something, excuse me, the military or whatever means that we already have, that to do something like uh, um, uh, re-allocating funds like that would require an extraordinary event that uh, we could not deal with otherwise. So that's just a little bit of what he had to say. Go ahead and respond to that. Yeah, I think that Ducey's probably closer to being right than Napolitano, and I don't want to necessarily second-guess Andrew Napolitano on this. There's no doubt there's going to be uh, controversy about this no matter what he has to do. But I think where he falls down, with all due respect, is that when you declare, and I think they, they cited the statute, I've looked at the statute in the past, 10 U.S.C. 2808, it's the National Emergencies Act, and it allows the president to declare an emergency that requires the use of armed forces or military authority to um, uh, uh, uh issue or to take care of a matter where such authority or such funds have not otherwise been spent and that you have to have money in the defense budget, unallocated funds in the defense budget, and there are unallocated funds in the defense budget. There are billions of dollars there that can be utilized to this, can be marshaled toward this if he chooses to do so. So it hasn't been, in, in other words, every single cent in the national budget, in the defense budget, has not been specifically allocated or designated by Congress. There is discretion there, and the president can exercise his discretion to utilize those funds to build a wall. That doesn't mean there won't be extraordinary controversy about this and there won't be litigation about this, but I think ultimately the president prevails. Peter Kirsten, our guest on AM 1420, The Answer. Stay with us through this uh, time out, Pete. we got more for you on the uh, president's address tonight coming up on AM 1420, The Answer.
1026 now we continue. AM1420, the answer. Peter Kirsten, our guest. Peter, an attorney, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. And, of course, uh, uh, the noted uh, and celebrated author of Target Omega and Second Strike with number three in that series coming out this spring. Hey, Pete, um, I've I got more ground to cover with you, and I'm glad you're able to stay past 1030, so thank you for that. So let me do this now, and we'll talk about what you talked about with uh, Tucker last night. I want to talk about the uh, deleterious, to, bar, uh, to borrow one of your most outstanding words, because uh, you're the only one I know who uses it. Uh, the deleterious impact of illegal immigration on jobs in this country, the low-skilled, blue-collar labor market, which is disproportionately African-American. You, you, you just wowed Tucker with that and everybody else who watched it last night, including myself. We'll ask that on the other side of the news break. Let me ask you this now. Uh, a caller brought uh, the, this up a couple of, uh, uh, or last hour, I should say, why doesn't the president go on TV tonight and invite Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to hop on Air Force One with him? Uh, they won't negotiate with him in the West Wing anymore. Hop on Air Force One, not to negotiate. We'll just have a nice, peaceful flight down to the border, and we will go and talk to random Border Patrol agents. I have no idea who they are, what their politics are. We won't pre-screen anyone and ask them if there is a crisis down here. And if a border security wall will make their job easier in trying to stop more illegal aliens and their drugs and gang members and human traffickers from crossing that border, let's find out from the very front lines who, excuse me, who's telling the truth and who isn't about the need down here. And then if they, and of course they'll decline it, but then, you know, he will expose them to the American people for not wanting to truly solve this problem. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a good idea, and you're exactly right as to how it's going to play out. I wouldn't be surprised if the president does make that proposal, but there is absolutely no way in the world they're going to take him up on it for the reasons that you mentioned. They know that if they go down there, because they know the facts. As I said on Tucker yesterday, look, I've testified before Congress a number of times. I've presented these kinds of facts to them and others who are much more qualified than me, Border Patrol agents, the heads of the Border Patrol. As For example, uh, Mark Morgan preceded me on Tucker's show. He was the former chief of Border Patrol. He was removed by Trump, as he indicated. In other words, he was there under the Obama administration, and even he says adamantly, walls work. Let me just give you one data point before you go, Bob. Yeah. With respect to whether walls work or not, you know, you look at the wall at the, uh, the area near San Diego, that works, but I can give you better information, and I sent this to a memo to the president over a year ago. Remember when we had the huge migrant so-called crisis in Europe because Angela Merkel completely lost her marbles? And migrants were flooding much of Europe. Hungary in 2016 had 391,000 illegal aliens enter that country. 391,000. They became extraordinarily alarmed, as you may imagine, and they built a wall along their border with Serbia. The following year, it only took them a year to do so. Of course, their border is much smaller than ours is. But it went from 391,000 to the next year, 1,180. That's wow. how effective border walls are. And for the, and everybody knows it. I mean, it's just common sense. This crap, I'm sorry for saying that, but this crap that you hear from all these open borders advocates is just that. Everybody knows walls work, and we need that as just one of many tools. They talk about technology. Well, you know, a drone's not going to stop anybody. It's simply going to tell you when somebody's coming, and then you don't have sufficient personnel unless you've got, you marshal all of the armed forces, National Guard, law enforcement personnel in the country to man that border, which is thousands of uh, over a thousand miles long. So it won't work. Everyone knows that intuitively, uh, intuitively, a wall will work. And that's why Pelosi and Schumer won't go anywhere near a Border Patrol agent, because it will reveal them for what they are, abject frauds. 
And you know what's uh, extraordinarily frustrating? I had a caller last hour also said to me, it just told me a joke, uh, but essentially it underlined the truth. He said, if walls don't work, then why do they require me to put, put, put them around my swimming pool? You know, walls, fences, and so on and so forth to stop kids from falling into it. Uh, and it's just a joke. He said it was a meme he found online. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've seen many of those. So I did a little search. If walls don't work, then dot, 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 right. to, see other, to see other memes. And what I get instead of the memes are a thousand liberal articles. History shows that walls don't work. A Cato Institute, why the wall won't work, Business Insider, it doesn't matter what they're made of, walls don't work. The world is full of walls that don't work, Politico. On on down the line, that's the result when you get to Google on on anything having to do with walls and working. Uh, So they continue to tell us that they don't don't skew their search results by the by uh, at Google to, to impact America's thinking on this thing, when clearly and obviously they do. And they will continue to tell that lie. Uh, until uh, uh, until obviously we build one ourselves and prove them wrong. Pete, stay uh, there. Walls don't work. Yeah, if walls don't work, so what? You know, I mean, these guys are claiming that the walls don't work. When have you ever complained about any other government program that doesn't work? We've been doing Head Start programs for the last <laughs> forty years. They do not work. No measurable results. In fact, people who participate in the Head Start programs after four years actually do marginally less well than those who don't participate. The education department. We spend seventy billion dollars a year <laughs> on education. The ostensible purpose of which, from Jimmy. Carter implemented the U.S. Department of Education was to improve test scores. Test scores have remained flat for the last 40 years. $70 billion. They don't care about whether it works. They spend money like drunken sailors. That's because it's not about the money you're working. It's about Trump getting a win. Back with Kersenow after this. News. Opinion. Insight. This is AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1036, rolling onward. Peter Kirsten now sticking with us for one more segment. That's to our great delight uh, and our education. Uh, Okay, Pete, I want to hit two things in this segment before we're done. Number one, I do want to talk about uh, the um, uh, the impact of illegal immigration on jobs in this country, on the low-skilled labor market, particularly the African-American low-skilled labor market, which is disproportionate uh, in this country. You've discussed this before. You laid uh, all of that out before Tucker last night. And then I want to ask you about the court challenge to a declaration of emergency and the reappropriation of funds that are existing for other projects to building a border wall. Our mutual friend Jeff Malik had a really interesting idea that I wanted to run past you. So let's start with the jobs uh, on maybe a little bit of a condensed version of what you gave Tucker last night that left him nearly speechless. I, I love, by the way, when you go on Tucker, he usually has time for one question. And then you lay about four and a half minutes straight of facts on him without a prompter, without a piece of paper in front of you, every stat just in that computer of a brain of yours. And then he sits there staring straight ahead and goes, okay, thanks, Pete. Have a great night. <laughs> it's just well, thanks, so Bob, much fun to watch. That. No, Pete, it's so much, it's, it's so much fun to watch you and, uh, and, and to listen to you because I know you have all of this stuff at the top of your head. It's really a remarkable thing, but go ahead and give us a version of that, please. Yeah, well, you know, it it is a feature of illegal immigration that is not taken seriously by many in Congress, despite the fact that they know about this, their constituents complain about it constantly, and it's something that affects all Americans, but it has a particularized effect on low-skilled Americans, because that's where illegal immigrants compete in the job market. And they will compete in a way that will undercut 
Americans because very often employers will pay them less that American, than Americans would take or that the law requires. And these folks aren't going to be going off and complain to the EEOC or OSHA or any other places because they're fearful of doing so. so uh, but beyond that, uh, they will take uh, lower wages. And because of that, the competition depresses, their competition depresses wage rates, but also supplants the occupations of Americans who won't or can't work at the wages that illegal immigrants will work at. So it affects all Americans. George Borjas, who's testified uh, alongside me, or I've testified alongside him, uh, at at least a couple of Senate Judiciary Committee hearings and Subcommittee on uh, Immigration and the National Interest, has done a study on this. George Borjas of Harvard is a scholar uh, par excellence on this particular issue. And his estimate is, and it's not just an estimate that he's kind of ballparks out there, it's pursuant to rigorous data, but the total wage suppression, that is the the amount of wages lost by Americans as a whole per year, ranges between $99 to $118 billion a year. That's real money. Even the Democrats might concede that that's real money. But the concentration of that loss is most heavily felt among black Americans for the reasons I mentioned. And I won't go into the entire history of this, but there, there are, there, the competition is most intense in the occupations and industry sectors in which blacks have been dominant in the past, agriculture, service, hospitality, uh, construction, and blacks are being supplanted in those areas and have been for quite some time. But there are, without going into any kind of great analysis on this, Nearly one million blacks are uh, one million fewer blacks are employed today than otherwise would be if not for the impact of illegal immigration. And think about the ramifications of that. Not only do these people not have jobs, but if you don't have jobs, you can't support your family. If you don't support your family, well, first of all, you may not even have a family because people without jobs are less likely to get married or even have a family. And people who don't have jobs are more likely to be incarcerated. So you've got all these secondary and tertiary effects that debilitate the black community. The Congressional Black Caucus knows this, as I mentioned last night, because, heck, I've been informing them about this for at least the last almost 12, 13 years, sent a number of letters off to them with all all this data and ask them to do something about it, and they never, ever, ever respond. They don't care about this because they've thrown their lot in with the open borders crowd because there is a political advantage to them doing so. They think that the Democratic Party in general is going to benefit from the influx of illegal uh, immigrants, so they're very happy to just kind of throw these Americans under the bus. It's reprehensible, it's despicable, and it's true. It is something that very few people go out and talk about or mention, and it baffles me as to why they don't. A few people do. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But the people who should be, that is, look, the Congressional Black Caucus named themselves the Congressional Black Caucus because ostensibly they're concerned about issues that affect the black community. But what are they doing about it? This may be one of the top issues affecting the black community. They're completely silent about it. It is, it is reprehensible. It cannot be condemned enough what they've done. But it's not simply peculiar to the Congressional Black Caucus. Anybody who doesn't recognize the impact of illegal immigration on the livelihoods, the welfare of Americans, period, isn't doing their job, isn't doing their number one job.
And I'm sorry for being exercised about this, but I've been trying to raise this alarm for years and years, and we still have duplicitous people saying that, well, you know, walls don't work, and we better not do this, and my goodness, uh, you know, we we can't be racist about these things. This has nothing, if you want to know what the definition is, they they call the wall racist and immoral. What's immoral is failing to secure the border against competition and other things from non-Americans who seek to come to this country illegally. The first act is to break our laws. We should be celebrating and championing the Ronald Sings of the world who came to this country lawfully, was just so gratified to be here, tried to serve this nation in his life taken by an illegal alien. And yet California provides sanctuary to that person. It's, it's, that, that is the definition of despicable and immoral. And it's not racist when you think about it, as uh, or Tucker put it very well in the lead-in yesterday, they call the wall racist. Walls are colorblind. They only discriminate against illegal entry. That's the only manner in which they discriminate. But you talk about a racist effect. When blacks are affected in this debilitating fashion and you do nothing about it, you've made a conscious decision not to do anything about it. You know all these things are occurring. All the stats that I've just provided are known to Congress, and yet with their eyes open, they made a decision to do nothing about it. What do you call that? What do you call that? I would love, Bob, to have any one of the members of the Congressional Black Caucus in a debate. I challenge them here and now. You name the place. You name the time. I'll be there. And I will rip you to shreds because you have absolutely no argument whatsoever. Pete, have you had the ability to convey any of these statistics by way of maybe through your office at the at the commission to the president? Because it, and oh. I know he's not going to do this, but this is the kind of thing you know. You, I agreed with you at the beginning when you said if he keeps this speech tonight, uh, this presentation on uh, on all the networks to ten minutes or less, uh, it's going to be a golden opportunity wasted. Uh, he needs to spend a half an hour, including all of the facts that you just laid out there, and talk about what's really racist here because illegal immigration is killing black op- opportunities and in many ways killing black people in this country as you just laid out he needs to lay that out for the people yeah and we have provided to the president look i know the president is very engaged in this because i had a person-to-person discussion with him on this he's the one who really raised the issue he gets this stuff stephen miller knows all this information he's got all these stats uh he used to be an aide to senator jeff sessions when senator sessions headed the subcommittee on immigration and and the national interest uh, and there are a number of people within the White House who know this stuff inside and out. I have absolutely no doubt about that. I've sent uh, data like this to aides within the White House. They get this stuff. This is, right now, the best White House from the standpoint of the issue of illegal immigration that we've ever had, or at least that I've worked with. So I, I have every confidence that they know this stuff. But let's face it, there are enormous forces at work here, including within the Republican Party, that don't want to see a wall, that don't really want to have effective immigration. And remember, the wall is only one component of the immigration debate. It's an extraordinarily important component of it, because among other things, and this is one of the reasons why Democrats don't want to have a wall, is because a wall is forever. The Democrats, when they assume office again, as they will, when they get the presidency again, can rescind almost anything else that happens, or they can overturn pieces of legislation or amend pieces of legislation. In other words, if Trump secures victories in immigration, those are only 
as good as the length of the Trump administration, but a wall's forever, and that's why they, they fight against it tooth and nail. But there are all host of other initiatives that need to be undertaken. The president understands E-Verify is one of the central components to having a, a, um, a sane immigration policy, because if you turn off that, that magnet mm-hmm. of jobs by having effective universal E-Verify, you will have gone a long way to solving the illegal immigration process, uh, uh, problem, and it includes those who overstay their visas, which is a huge segment of the illegal immigration population. No question about it. That is something the left is always quick to point out, too, that more people are here because of uh, overstays than are who actually cross the border. And that is true. It needs to be dealt with. However, the majority of them are not the ones committing the crime and bringing fentanyl and all the other terrible things. Those are coming from across the border. Pete, I want to get to an element of this, uh, which is right in your wheelhouse. Our mutual friend Jeff Malik from uh, uh, the uh, uh, coalition, uh, conservative coalition out in uh, Wadsworth, and I always forget what it's called, Medina County Conservative Coalition, I think it is. Uh, you've spoken to them, and so have I. Um, he brought up the fact that the president is going to be challenged if he declares a state of emergency. And, of course, uh, there's somebody who's going to try to enjoin any uh, a decision that the president makes, uh, and they're going to judge shop in order to do it. I'm going to read this to you, what he sent to me, and give me your thoughts on this. He said, the Dems are great at judge shopping. Why don't conservatives beat them to the punch? What if a conservative congressman like Jordan or Meadows beats the Dems to the punch and files suit against the president seeking to buy, for seeking to bypass Congress on wall funding? But they do so in a jurisdiction that will be more likely to issue a ruling in favor of the president. When I ran the idea past Pete, he said he brought this to you, he seemed to indicate a ruling in favor of Trump would be possible, but not for certain, uh, uh, could preclude the Dems from filing the same suit in the Ninth Circuit Court of Lunatics. I call them the Ninth Circle of Hell. The major concern is that someone like Congressman Jordan might not be considered to have legal standing and that perhaps only the Speaker would. Now, I'm going to amend that a little bit, Pete, because, again, this is my very, very limited to non-existent legal knowledge here. It isn't members of Congress who file these suits anyway. They get state's attorneys, a state attorneys general to file these lawsuits to enjoin a, an executive order or a declaration made by the president. That's what they've done each time they have had uh, one of these uh, suits filed in their judge shopping in the ninth or, or somewhere that's favorable to them. So could they perhaps not coordinate with uh, an attorney general uh, in a state that is in a district that is going to have perhaps a more likely outcome in favor of the president, and then you can't file a lawsuit against uh, the president for the same exact thing that's already been decided in a, in a, in a parallel court? Yeah, uh, you know, the point that you make is probably a little bit more uh, uh, salient. Uh, when Jeff had indicated this uh, uh, tactic. I was a little skeptical for several reasons, and I'd want to do a little bit more research on it. But one of them is the issue of standing, as you mentioned, and also whether or not there'd be a judiciable case or controversy uh, at that particular time. In other words, did that, like a Jim Jordan, would he have suffered an injury? Uh, Maybe the Speaker of the House could do it, but the Speaker of the House would never do it. Um, But with respect to a state attorney general, again, I hate to do this off the top of my head because it's not something I'd rather do so in a sober, deliberate fashion, trying to figure out whether or not this was was doable. But you're right that in other contexts, something like this happens. And those other uh, contexts are almost exclusively where liberal states attorneys general do this kind of thing. would a state attorney general have standing? Well, arguably someone along the border uh, might, but again, is there a case or controversy? Um, 
is there something there has, that has caused injury or has raised a judiciable, justiciable issue for which the court has a remedy the court could address? So there are a whole host of issues, and I don't want to play Judge Napolitano for, uh, with all due respect. I think it's wrong to try to opine about something that's this complex with my limited intellectual capability, but you really should do so in a <laughs> credible fashion and do the research necessary for this. So anyway, that's kind of my off-the-cuff response to it. Uh, I don't dismiss it out of hand. Um, but I don't know that you get a state attorney general to do this that's going to solve your problem in the last instance anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, I respect that, and I appreciate every uh, point you just made, with the exception of the, your limited intellectual capacity. Let's not say things that we all know are not true. Uh, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Since you could only give us the off-the-cuff version now, uh, in between uh, uh, working on the commission, uh, representing your clients, running your law firm, and running your hill sprints, and counting down the days to opening day or pitchers and catchers reporting, maybe you could dig into that a little bit deeper and let me know if that's something that could be done to beat the Dems. To the punch. You think you can squeeze that in? We'll do our best, Bob. For the best radio <laughs> show in the country, I'll try to do my best. Uh, Peter, always appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. Always, Take always her, great to have you on. You got it, buddy. There you go. Peter Kirsten, now on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get out and come back in again and put the wraps on this bad boy right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Customers. So the president has a golden opportunity tonight. He's finally taking the track that so many of us have suggested. He's going to address the Congress, and he's going not the Congress, rather the country. He's going to have he's going to appear in the Oval Office. He is going to be on every major network which has agreed to carry this, as of course has been historically uh, the tradition. Whenever the president feels uh, he needs to address the country on an important matter. The question becomes, will he take advantage of this opportunity? Will he make the most of the situation? As Peter and I both just talked about, Peter Kirstenau, by the way, so brilliant, so uh, fortunate are we, <laughs> excuse me, to have him on. Uh, but uh, Peter uh, Kirstenau and I were discussing this. This is not something the president can do in short order. He can't just do a 10-minute speech and say, we need uh, uh, we need uh, uh, border security, we need a fence, because there's a lot of drugs down there, and there's a lot of people coming across, really bad people. They're really bad. Uh, a lot of people say they're really bad, and they're really bad. He can't just do one of those off-the-cuff messages. Uh, he needs to lay it out. He needs to do what I and so many others have done, start quoting statistics that are sourced, that are factual, the exact number of pounds or grams or kilos of the various drugs uh, that continue to pour across our border. How many came across in 2017? How many of those drugs came across in 2016? How many came across last year in 2018? How many human traffickers were apprehended? How many uh, terrorists were apprehended? All of those things need to be laid out, sourced, factual and able to withstand the scrutiny of politifact able to withstand the scrutiny of all of those fact checkers who are going to try to prove prove the president wrong he needs to come out with all of that how many dollars do we spend on illegal immigrants education in this country how many dollars do we spend on uh, uh, illegal immigrants 
uh, uh, welfare in this country. Food, housing, clothing, health care, and beyond. How many illegal alien crimes are committed in this country? How many deaths caused by illegal immigrations in illegal immigration and illegal, illegal immigrants in this country? All of those things need to be laid out so that the American people who may be, look, let's be honest, let's lay this out. People who believe in the president and his border wall don't need tonight to be convinced. They don't need to see all of the things that I'm talking about. People on the Nancy Pelosi side, the Chuck Schumer side, in other side, in other words, liars, in other words, deniers, in other words, POSs, uh, perpetually outraged at society. These individuals, they're not going to believe anything the president says tonight anyway. They don't want a wall because they don't want Trump to win. That's the bottom line. But there is a significant number of Americans who are in the middle, who aren't diehard Democrats, diehard Republicans, um, you know, MAGA hat wearers, or Trump haters. They're just normal people who are trying to figure it all out. What is the big deal? Why do we need this wall? Why does Trump say that? Why do why does Schumer say it won't work? Why does, why does Pelosi say it's immoral? Those are the people that the president needs to reach tonight. Those are the people the president needs to, re- needs to reach out to tonight. Give them all of the facts. Give them the numbers. Give them the pounds, kilos, and grams of drugs seized, the number of lives lost, the number of dollars spent. Tell them that the total national cost of illegal aliens in this country is $134 billion. Eight hundred sixty-three million four hundred fifty-five thousand three hundred sixty-four dollars. Tell them where all that came from. Forty-five point eight million from the feds, or uh, yeah, to the cost of the feds. Uh, another eighty-eight point nine million to state and local governments. Talk about the actual total tax contributions from illegal aliens in this country being only eighteen point nine billion dollars leaving us with a total economic impact of illegal immigration of negative $116 billion per annum. Lay all of that out. Don't waste the opportunity. Use visual aids. Don't go off the cuff. Use the prompter. Lay out the case for the American people and win them over for all of our benefit. That's what we'll be watching tonight, and I'll be talking about it tomorrow morning. Join us tomorrow for the next Bob France Authority. Until then, Mike Gallagher's next. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.